Okay, this is the ransomware song. One day I asked my teacher, what use is math to me? She answered, when you're older, someday my boy you'll see There's a world of computer systems out there Full of valuable data and not secured with care And you can make a fortune in ransomware With a little bit of math It's called encryption, just a little bit of math Cause a conniption, lock the data, hide the key They'll pay up eventually, it's all just math Ransomware is big now because it's organized You can buy it as a service and sell it for a prize There's a whole world of tempting targets to hack Governments, hospitals, schools to attack And they pay up in Bitcoin, hard to trace back It's all just math We call it crypto, just a little bit of math No need to tiptoe, hackers whisper Don't be nervous, we take pride in customer service Well, then I told my teacher, I'm feeling terrified. How can we protect ourselves from all this cybercrime? She said, don't click weird links or use password one, two, three. Make offline backups, invest in security. And that's when I realized how screwed we might be. Just do the math. So many systems, if they all took a bath. Wouldn't we miss them next time there's no meat or water or gas And we slide a little closer to the day of wrath You can blame IT or some Russian sociopath But personally, I blame math Well, we just found InfoSec Bo Burnham, everybody. That was fantastic. And I, too, blame math. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Black Hills Information Security, talking about news. My name is John Strand. I am just one of many hosts, hostesses, that we have here today. Uh, going through it, we have Ryan, who's always here and always makes us look and sound better than we actually are. We have Steve, who's showing off his fantastic model plane collection. We have Ralph, who's adequately blurring his background today, which is good. We have Corey, who needs to clean his shelf. And we have Ashley for the first time on the show, who's going to be talking about Skata ITS and her love of trains. So uh, I, I had a couple of news stories. And I know, Ralph, that we have this Notion thing that we've been using. And uh, we have something new for people that want to like, like see the links that we're talking about for the shows, and they can see those. So what do we have for the first news story of the day that we want to go through? Because you had a lot of stories. Oh, yeah, I did. I found a lot of stories. We might not make it through them all. But if you want to go with the heavy hitter, we can start with that. I don't know. Let's, 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 um, let's start, which one's the heavy let's start hitter? with the big stuff. Let's uh, start is, with the heavy hitter. This is the one that no one has stopped talking about, and that is Apple, right? Oh. Uh, that one up. Mm. Yeah. Do, 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 do. I can look at all my And there goes here. the show. The show's over after this. So, uh, <laughs> this is the only one anyone wanted to hear about. 
So yeah, this is right from the um, the EFF, and for everyone who doesn't know and maybe is living under a rock, doesn't have Twitter or the internet or any other kind of news source, Apple pretty much is going to start scanning your photos, and we're doing this to protect you. And they're obviously looking for things like child pornography and other things that are bad. Arguably, totally cool. I get that, but um, yeah. We're going to start doing that. So, and they just kind of dropped it on a Tuesday. I, I don't know. It was, it was weird. So what do you guys think? Having you Siri, I just can't wait for all the photos that I took of my food to get flagged. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they have those algorithms, Corey, that'll be like hot dog, not hot dog. Uh, so <laughs> I, think about the children. Think about So, okay. So this is really, really, really horrible, right? Because we, we get into this, this, this kind of, weird confrontation where if you're like this is horrible this is a god-awful thing they should not be doing this then you have everyone they're like well you must be for child pornography then yeah <laughs> and you, and it, you it, it must becomes, have nothing to hide <laughs> yeah, yeah well if you have nothing to hide then you got nothing to worry about then and that whole premise is complete garbage for a number of reasons one you open up a back door you create an API for just the good people to use to gain access to this. And there's going to be some jackass kid in Sweden who's like 17 years old who is now working very, very, very hard to reverse engineer that API and then share it with literally everybody. That, that, that's not a thing that might happen. That thing is going to happen. Like I, I almost 100% guarantee it. If Apple and their security engineers have the hubris to think that, oh, well, you know, no one's going to be able to figure this out, reverse engineer it, crack a hole through it, and then drive a Mack truck right through the middle, they're sorely mistaken. And over their history, they should know better. So that opens up one thing. And then the other thing about the whole argument for me where people say, well, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to worry about is also garbage. A great write-up once by Moxie Marlinspike, I think is that Signal or Wire now. I think he's at Wire. He did a write-up, and he basically was like, you have no idea how many crimes you commit a day, but you actually commit, commit quite a few crimes, and the government can use these against you if they so choose to. So, yes, we always open these things up, and it's like the Patriot Act. Well, it's, for, it's against terrorists. And it was very rarely used against terrorists. It was used for a whole bunch of other crimes. So anytime we open these things up and we say, hey, we're going to protect the children, it opens up this huge, huge hole where it can be used for a wide variety of other things. So that's that's my thoughts. What do other people seem to think on this? Well, reading into this a little bit, it does look like this feature may be limited to uh, child accounts. Part of this, it says it's two two parts to this. Uh, one is that all photos will get scanned as they are uplo- as they are uploaded into iCloud to see if they match the database for known child sexual abuse material. And then the other one is for uh, all iMessage, uh, iMessage images sent and received by child accounts. And this feature can be turned on or off by parents. So, um, but yeah, I mean, kind of like a gateway drug. Looks like this is their entryway into that full, maybe, you know, backdoored account encryption just beginning. Well, yes. so I feel like it has a vector for like a denial of service potentially as like, so they, they say like there's a threshold at which if you have enough of these photos in iCloud, then it triggers some like manual review process or something. So it's interesting to think about like if there, you know, like it is an API abuse or something where you could upload images to someone's phone or what or into iCloud or if there's like a full shared folder or something that's exposed, then you could potentially just spam them in and then DOS their entire account, right? Like it's interesting 
I mean, who knows what the vectors could be, but it, it, that kind of goes back into Ralph's joke about taking lots of pictures of his food. And they're like, oh, God, Ralph's taking pictures <laughs> of his food again. What I was reading is that they're going to scan the files on your like the photos on your phone for the non like child version of this. Right. They're going to be using a an, um, exploited uh, child pornography database, which makes kind of a hash of the image and looks for actually similarities. So it's not like a direct signature hash. And they're going to be using on device. So I guess it's not going to be using iCloud. So your phone will have software looking for stuff like that. Any photos that you take looking to see if it matches those identities. If they are, it sends it up, flags it, so on and so forth, right? But the potential for abuse here to look for any kind of photo starts to really expand and expound as you kind of look at it. Because right now they're just saying this child pornography and you're like, yes, it's for the kids. And I get it that that's all bad stuff. As you kind of like kind of twist it a little bit more, we, we could expand this to other things, right? Like maybe we're just looking for a suspect just a person right and then okay so we're just looking for criminals now we every time we can use a whole network of iphones to find them and you know you can kind of see how you could keep turning and turning until you know it's whatever well, um they want it, so and it's like if we also look at the whole thing with apple if you remember with the uh san bernardino shooters there was a bunch of pushback against Apple to try to gain encryption keys to be able to gain access to their phones, right? And Apple traditionally, what's weird, traditionally Apple has pushed back against this quite hard. Now all of a sudden they're open to the idea. And, and I understand, right? You know, somebody's mentioned the Batman movie. Uh, Arctic brought that up, which I think is a great point. But, you know, the thing that really makes me uncomfortable with all of this is once this starts, it's very, very difficult to say where that line ends. Right. So if you start with child pornography, which everybody is going to be like, yeah, that's just that's just horrible. That's god awful. That's that's bad. And everyone's like, yeah, that's we all agree. That's bad. And they're like terrorism. Yeah, we hate terrorists. Yeah, terrorists, terrorists. That's bad. Yeah, that's bad. What about money laundering? Yeah, we hate that, too. Yep. Money laundering is 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 really bad. And the next thing you know, it's like uh, I think Noah brought up and said, well, what happens if you have civil disobedience in a country and all of a sudden you have somebody from some country on the other side of the world and like, let's say, Malaysia or something says to Apple, we want to know all the people that were at this particular square at this particular time because they're civil dissidents. We can now say, I want to know all the people that are, you know, have anything that they're sharing pictures of things associated with the religion or specific sexuality. It's like, where exactly does this line, where does this line end? It always starts with good intentions, right? Something, something road to hell. And I, I think that at some point we have to get used to the idea that bad things are going to happen in society. And we don't want to impinge upon all the rights of everybody because of these bad things. Like just because someone shits themselves doesn't mean that we all have to wear diapers. Yeah, and it is interesting to think there's an API somewhere that lets you load an, a database of bad images, and then they'll be scanned locally on the device, right? So it's like, if what if I'm like a country that's like, yeah, if anyone has pictures of this, just scan it and, you know, delete the pictures or flag their account, right? Like, can I make requests of Apple? Can I be like, oh, actually, if anyone has a swastika in their images, just, you know, tr tell me, right? Like, how, how far does it go? 
because well, it, it's interesting. But. So it, let, let's talk about that slippery slope. Uh, so myself and some of the other people at Black Hills Information Security, we actually worked on projects associated with like the NSA, the NRO, CIA, those types of intelligence types of projects, and they were classified. I'm not going to go into details about like these classified programs, but it was you had the ability under certain circumstances to actually review data of U.S. citizens. Now, there, you had to go and get a FISA request, set up a FISA warrant. That was a very, very complicated process if you actually wanted to grab and view data on a specific U.S. citizen. And it was very much manual and it was very much hard to do. Now, a lot of these programs that we actually worked on, uh, we were on the security team. We helped set this stuff up, and it was intentionally difficult. Now, the thing that blew my mind was some of these programs that we worked on were actually released by Edward Snowden. And basically what they did is there was actually a box where you had to put in your justification for your FISA warrant, and then it had to get approval, and it had to do all these things. And all of that was completely replaced by a drop-down box that had like a list of pre-built things and at the bottom was freaking other. And if you wanted to gain access to certain people, allegedly from the Edward Snowden leak, you could just simply go through, click that box, click other, and then immediately gain access to this data. So once that API is there, once that data is there and you can access it, you can set up all of these protections, but over time, those protections and all those roadblocks start to erode. This is bad. <laughs> well, let, you know, we got people on YouTube. Let's see if anybody thinks that this is good. I don't see how this is good. Uh, yeah. I also don't see what Apple gets out of this. Like, does Apple make money on this? Um, Here's the worst part. If you just want to talk about that specifically, I think this is the worst thing they could do because the whole the, the whole thing that they've been like, you know, very vocal about over the last couple of years is how much they care about your privacy. Right? Well, they want to lower now, the average age of the iPhone owner down to like six, yeah. right? Oh, like they, this must be one of their protections to try that, to get that. That's my guess, right? Like if I was a parent, mm -hmm. I'd be like, I don't know, how, how soon is too soon for an iPhone? Well, now maybe a little earlier, right? Because there's all this protection in there. They can't even send nudes or what, like, I don't know. Like, yeah. 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 This makes me want to take away my kids' phones, not give them a phone. I'm like, good luck looking at, you know, the 100,000 pictures that my 14-year-old daughter has probably taken of the cats and outfits. Like, yeah. Yep. <laughs> now, now, now the algorithm, Ashley, is like watching your child and saying, yes, Ashley's child is a furry. And then they're going to start <laughs> putting all of these weird ads on top of it. Like, it's creepy. People are like, yeah, oh, just destroy it. So I had a friend of mine talking about like small children taking pictures and sending them to each other. A friend of mine was talking to one of his family friends and they had an iPad and the guy comes up to my friend and says, uh, I got this iPad and my son who's 16 was like, and showed my friend, like there's pictures where he was sending naked pictures back and forth with him and his girlfriend. And he's like, what do I do with this? My friend grabbed the iPad, smashed it very quickly and said, okay, that problem has been solved. And they're like, but that was my son's iPad. And today he learned a lesson. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe we should all be smashing iPads anyway for oh. our kids. I, I, I don't know. But so is this the biggest fear that we should be worrying about is like, you know, with, with like the kids, I, I, you know, I, I worry about the targeting of ads. I worry about, you know, setting up profiles and these types of things. There's a lot of other stuff that we should worry about too. That's terrifying. Yeah. I think it also is like what channels will these people use? They'll use whatever channels are 
available. Yeah, this isn't going right? to stop that thing. Yeah, it's like terrorist attacks were planned on PlayStation Network, right? It's like no one was. <laughs> so we shut it all no, down. We're good. Yeah, no, no one was we, paying attention. It's like, but Corey, Corey, what we did though is we now have to pat down everybody, and we have to go <laughs> send them through these things called rapey scans to scan their bodies. It's like no PlayStation Network, and and that. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna scan everybody and full pat downs on everybody getting in the airplane. All right, well, let's move on to another story because we're talking about incredibly depressing things yeah, with Gallows sure. humor. Ashley, can you talk to us about why we probably now need to be afraid of trains? And I don't mean necessarily yeah. in a maximum overdrive Stephen King kind No, I actually mean exactly <laughs> like a maximum overdrive Stephen King cut. This is going to suck. All right, Ashley, take it away. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so this came out like a couple weeks ago. It was like Friday. Yeah, it was July the 9th. There were some details that came out on the Iranian railroad system got hacked. Um, So it was mostly just the ticketing system. So they didn't actually, you know, take control of any trains or anything like that. It was kind of the, you know, there's speculation on why they did it. They have a new president coming into into term. And so there's speculation that it was maybe just to kind of embarrass him that, you know, he didn't have a handle on on you know government owned things because the train system there is on is kind of owned by the government. They wreaked havoc on, on the ticketing system for a while. Nobody could get on the trains. There were a lot of delays. They, you know, put some messages up on the boards and, and there's speculation on that too. They're not sure whether that was the actual train system that did that or it was the hackers and there was a telephone number there and, and uh, there's speculation on, on who, the, who the telephone number belonged to. Um, so they're not, they're not releasing a whole lot of information and data on it. But then about a week after that, uh, something similar happened in the UK. Another train system was attacked and, and the ticking system um, was, was the big target. And everything. I couldn't find any data whether it was the same ticketing system or a different a different ticketing system that they were happen happen to be using. But it's just it's like it's that that next thing, right? The next step of of what can we attack an ICS? Where can we go with this? You know, and and it's just like they're you know these groups are are really poking at every little hole in ICS that they can get to. And it's we're seeing more and more of these attacks, more and more of the ransomware, and that they're really just kind of feeling out where can we go with this and really kind of exposing things that I think people don't think on a regular basis is considered ICS. People don't think when they're sitting at a, at a traffic light that they're being exposed to an ICS system um, that somebody could could hack and take over. You know, I think it's really kind of shedding light on how big of a problem this is. Um, it's much bigger than I think oh. people realized. I mean, even people in IT realized that these these things are they were made in the '80s and they really haven't been updated a lot since then. So, one of the questions that I wanted to ask you about this is: Do you believe that the Iranian train ticketing system and these these other trains that train systems that have been attacked? Do you believe that they are the exception? Like they're just insecure, but everybody else is secure, like Washington, D.C., New York, all these other places. Or do you believe that consistently these systems were put in in like the late 90s, um, 80s for some of the controllers and things like that? Like these are actually representative. They're more the rule or are these kind of the exceptions? Oh, no, absolutely. I think I think that they are definitely the rule. I've I've been in lots and lots of different ICS environments, and when you're doing, you know, when you're doing scanning and and you're you're poking around and you're seeing, you know, you're seeing the same 
not only just the same technology, but the same vulnerabilities, right? It's like, you go, you, you go to one place and you're like, oh, well, this vulnerability is here. And then you go to the next place and you're like, well, why this one's here? To, did you, was there like a, a, a memo that went out that we just don't patch this one? Or, you know, it's, it's very, you see a lot of similarities and you really start kind of correlating that data together. And it's, it's across the board. You know, whether it is they can't apply this patch because the system that they would have to apply the patch to only runs on server 2000 because that system can't function on anything beyond that. There's just so much, so much of that, that same, same across the board that, that these are, these are not one-offs. These are not something that is just, oh, hey, we happened to, you know, it was a spray and pray attack and we, we happened to find this. No, this is... I, pretty generic for across the board in ICS. So why does it, why is it taken so long? Like we're starting to see more of these attacks. I think one of the first ones, everyone talks about Stuxnet. Stuxnet didn't surprise me because that's hot nation state on nation state action. But whenever we got to Ukraine and shutting down the power grid and things like that, that's kind of, for me, where a lot of this started, even though that was in fact also hot nation state on nation state action. But do you think that attackers haven't been hitting this as much just because I'd like to believe that some of the attackers are like, whoa, that's, you know, it's people in trains and that's power plants and that's, ah, I'm going to leave that alone. Or do you think it's just a matter of it, it, they've already been crawling around inside of these networks? They just haven't done anything yet. Like, how come we haven't seen more bad stuff if the security is as bad as we as we all know it is in this industry? I think it's a, I think it's a little bit of a combination of both, right? I think they're realizing now that they can get to these things. I think we're also putting more of these devices directly on the internet than we were in the past. You know, kind of the the if you look at like the the Purdue model or even like the the zone and conduit model, right? whole concept and idea is that that they have these these quote unquote air gapped networks, right? Which we're now realizing are not as air gapped as they you know, as they thought that they were, right? Oh, we put this, you know, we put this here and we put this firewall in front of it and now we're, you know, we're air gapped. Well, that's that's A, not how it works. And, and B, I think that people are realizing that more now. And I think now they're that we're we're growing, right? Our, our populations yeah. are growing way faster than they've ever done before. So, you know, you think about an electric company, right? Well, they're providing power to a city. Well, when that city, if you look at numbers from from this the 2020 census and you look at the growth that we've had since the 2010 census, you're seeing state populations go up by 30, 35%. And most of those people are moving into a metropolitan area. Well, when you're moving into a metropolitan area like that, the electric company has to grow with the size of the city growing. And I think now we're just we're standing up technology so fast that the the concept behind securing it, the concept behind making sure that that ICS devices are not in a, an internal network has just gone out the window. And so, that's allowing things to be more connected than we were before, which is allowing for way easier attacks. So let me see if I got this right. So we used to have, we, we've always had bad technology, right? Like old server 2000 systems, right? And those have been predominantly air gap from, you know, let's say from 2000 up until fairly recently. 
So part of what you're saying is that it's kind of that confluence of newer technologies being put together with these older technologies. Like you may want to put a newer monitoring technology on top of it. The monitoring technology requires internet connectivity because there's so much connectivity happening. It's now opening up inroads to some of these legacy ICS technologies. And now these things are starting to be exposed in a way that they weren't up until fairly recently. Is that kind of what you're saying then? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, somebody in chat just said, you know, when is the culture in ICS going to change? That's a big thing too, right? Is that we are, we have, we're using new technology mixed with old technology, still stuck in a mindset that was developed in the 70s and 80s. And a lot of this, this, this knowledge and stuff like that has been passed from, from person to person. You know, when you talk to, to somebody in, in ICS, every time I've gone in to do an ICS test, they're worried about safety that, you know, I, that something I'm going to do is not going to, you know, blow up a pipeline or cause a, a manufacturing device to, to break, but they're not so much worried about the data that they have. And what happens if that gets out or what happens if they can't access it? I, you know, I've, I've done interviews where, you know, I'm just trying to get data from them. And I've, I've asked the question, well, what happens? What happens if this, this PLC goes offline? What happens if this, this device goes offline? What happens if your entire SCADA network goes offline? They're like, oh, well, that's fine. We'll just pull out pencil and paper and we'll do it that way. We'll manually do our processes. And I'm like, does it break? But does it break down? They're like, no, not really. We'll just keep everything running. We'll just do things manually. And, uh-huh. and, and that concern for that safety system that, that, that you've now connected to the internet that is offline, there's no thought to that. They just, they, they, they're worried about safety to an extent, but realistically, they've been drilled in so long that, that the process has to keep going no matter what. And so the technology is just an afterthought for them. It makes their job easier, but they don't worry about what happens if it breaks or what happens if somebody gets into it. One question I have about response, and I know that it, it kind of was brought up that like the response was a little bit disjointed or like they weren't sure whether the hackers were tampering or whether it was a response from the actual entity. Like should, ha- should companies have like a separate incident response plan for like the SCADA stuff? Like should they have like a, okay, this is the break glass in case of corporate ransomware and this is the break glass in case of ICS compromise. Like, just out of curiosity, like, what is the response? Should should companies split that out at all? Or is there is it really just the same, like, change the passwords or tell people not to use it or whatever? Oh, no, I think, I think that they should have two completely different IR processes. You, you don't handle SCADA, devices the same way as an internal network. They're very, they're very different, right? They're very sensitive. A lot of the times, um, you know, I've gone in to do like vulnerability scanning and something like that. And it's, you have to be very, very cautious. I've, I've gone in and I've scanned things very, very slowly, making sure that we're not tipping stuff over because you do have that potential for, for loss of life in an, in an ICS environment. And I think that that response to an incident should be handled very, very differently than if you're just worried about, you know, somebody being in your internal network and, and, you know, getting into your email servers or, or, you know, your databases and stuff like that. That's, is that bad? Yeah, absolutely. But it's not loss of life bad. And I think that they should be very much handled 
differently, but realistically, I don't know that there are that many people out there that are doing that. So both of these uh, attacks were apparently towards government systems. So the one in uh, the UK was a British government run Northern train um, Mm -hmm. ticket system. So I'm wondering if these are targeted attacks, what are the chances of this being supply chain? If they're a specific ticketing system, because the the attacks in both cases were limited to the ticketing system. So what if what if those are already breached and they're being put into these locations and attackers are either setting up for these attacks a long time in, in advance, um, knowing that they're going to get some nation state level uh, targets, or these are just purely targets of opportunity, right? Where um, it's a ticketing system, you can go to a web page, it's on the DMZ somewhere, um, you can buy your ticket, and then somebody just SQL injected this thing and then ransomware it, or you know, is this more of an advanced attack? That, those are my questions. Yeah, yeah, and that was um, that was a big curiosity of mine. Um, I, I did a lot of digging to really see, like, to figure out what um, what they were using for a ticketing system. I know that uh, I want to say it was like probably five or six years ago. I was actually looking into working with somebody with a CTF and they wanted to do kind of a train system thing. Right. And um, I actually found an open source. It was open source software that was available and we were going to you know, make some modifications to it to make it more vulnerable. And then we were just kind of going to kind of try to, you know, discover some vulnerabilities for ourselves. So I know that there is open source software out there, which I mean, obviously open source is the way it is. Right. And, you know, it's great when you have collaboration, but it also doesn't necessarily stop the bad guys from doing bad things. I couldn't find if they were using the same ticketing system. I would lean towards the the likelihood, especially with the attacks being so close together, that it was. And supply chain issues, that's a whole. It's yeah, like I was going to ask you about that because there's not many vendors that actually create these systems, right? It's not like you mm-hmm. got 400 different vendors for ticketing systems on trains. It's, it's probably like, what, six? Maybe. maybe? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, that's across the board in ICS, right? You know, you can go from, you know, you could, you could go from, from a, a, you know, an oil and gas company to another oil and gas company to another oil and gas company. And you're going to see similarities, you know, there may be some, some one-offs here and there, but the likelihood of, of one manufacturer being the same in all three of those companies is really, really high because there's not, it's not a variety. Right. And, and then they're all getting their parts and pieces from the same place. And, you know, then they're putting their, their firmware on it. Right. Which if you look at the, you know, if you kind of go in and you look at the, the back end of those and you're looking at, you know, the, the interfaces and stuff like that, they're all really similar too. So it's it's a lot of a lot of similarities and not a lot of thinking outside the box, right? Yeah. That was created in 1970. Um, yeah. So well, you somebody know, somebody posted like there's there there will be no protection added to this until there's a financial incentive to do so, and that's that's actually that that comment has multiple layers and they're all terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You know, I, 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 I worked for, I, I was, you know, was doing work for a company and um, they decided to, to put in firewalls at, at some of their, their facilities. And it was like eight or $9 million in firewalls. 
And it's like, okay, well, you know, I, I think that, that the, the, the C-suite starts looking at that and saying, okay, well, we're spending $9 million on firewalls, but how much would we have to spend in a ransom? Would we spend $4 million in a ransom? You know? Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. We have cyber insurance. We have cyber insurance. That'll pay for it. We just got to, yeah, you that's, know. That's going to cover, that's going to cover everything. So. Exactly. Just a exactly. cookie jar. Ransomware so, cookie jar. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's realistically, I, that's, that is, that is honestly how it gets looked at. And that's, I think that's the most terrifying thing, right? Is that we don't want to spend 9 million one time on firewalls it's fine. We'll just, we'll, yeah. we'll just, we'll, we'll pay the ransom and, and, you know, we'll lose data or whatever. It's yeah, it's terrifying. Well, and we, we can talk, it's probably a webcast. We can talk how, how slowly <laughs> some organizations react to incidents as well, but that's a longer conversation. All right. Well, that was depressing. Thank you, Ashley. That was, just, that was great. Yeah. I didn't think I would add to the depression. <laughs> Uh, forget forget all these trains and cars. I got my horse outside. All right. So what, what other stories do we have? I, we have some good news. We have some good news. Good news. I, I got a good, news good, news. good news. Yes. All right. So uh, Microsoft, if you didn't know, everywhere. today is Patch Tuesday. Microsoft patched a bunch, three zero days, which I, honestly, I don't know if we could call those zero days. I feel like they were just They're like um, no days. They're like tweets, mainly tweets like, hey, did tweet you guys days. know? Yeah, tweet days. There you go. Um, so three zero days, the biggest one being the print nightmare and hive nightmare and all the nightmares. There's like four nightmares. In addition, the uh, petite potum. I think that's how you pronounce that. Uh, anyways, uh, that's the NTL, NTLM relay attack that was patched as well. As long as 44 other flaws. So get out there. Get excited. Use that W sus and make it happen. Get it rolling uh, out there. We got some patches. Yeah. yeah, yeah, great. Now, if there was only some kind of unified patch thingy for ICS, mm-hmm. that would be great. Yeah, oh, like, yeah. From anytime, an RTU, we'll see the patch in a year. What's that one, Corey? <laughs> I just said, if you're on an RTU, we'll see the patch in a year. <laughs> yeah. <You're lucky. laughs> And I always like to point out, you know, people rip on Microsoft constantly. They're like, oh, Microsoft bad, Microsoft bad, which is a stupid conversation anyway. But what people don't understand is this is the best case scenario. Like patching in Microsoft and Active Directory and all your Windows components, better patching than literally anything else you have. So that's the high watermark, folks. And we still like these vulnerabilities that they patched today. Guarantee you, pen testing companies are going to be nailing these for at least the next eight to 15 years. Um, so, <laughs> there, uh, yeah, there's a bunch in there that come down to my favorite vulnerability, which is really just, you know, conf- misconfiguration, right? That's like the best thing for attack and the worst thing to defend, right? Because if you don't know how to configure something properly, that's really where you're going to get hosed up as opposed to, hey, you know what, I'm on patch level X, and that's the latest, so I'm good. And that's that's where a bunch of these were. Not all of them, but you know, the certificate authority and some other other stuff like that. If, you know, so yeah, I like Nelson Mendez uh, had a, had a quote said Patch Tease Tuesday for an IT support people like me is hell. And I, I think it's funny, <laughs> like in security, we're like, oh, patches and help desk, and everyone else is like, oh dear God, 
Like, uh, you guys got this? You guys got this? Well, I probably won't be sleeping for the next 48 hours. Good, good. If you need anything, call me. <laughs> security's out. The patch has been deployed. We make the messes. We make the messes. Yeah, we make the yeah, messes. Yeah, we make the messes. We don't have Wasn't to clean them up. Wasn't Patch Tuesday supposed to go away in favor of some kind of like rolling? Rolling a patch every day? Yeah, but I assume the admins revolted against that. They got that, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to be out for 24-7, 365 now, right? Like, yeah, when Patch Saturday comes along and everything breaks, that's when uh, uh, sneaking up behind you and hitting you in the back of the well, head. Oh it's god, it's Patch Friday afternoon. Yeah, it's funny you say that, Ralph, because that petite potam vulnerability, the they patched it, but they the, what they fixed, there's no backwards compatibility. So who knows? This could be breaking like NAS devices or, or whatever it might be using that RPC call because they just shut it down instead of saying like, well, okay, if you're an administrator on the box, you can use this RPC call. No, they've, they've mixed gone. Yeah, that's, that's pretty harsh. So like, that's why I think that this is going to be the gift that keeps on giving. They're like, well, we installed that patch and it broke something. So we rolled it back and we'll never install that patch again. So the hackers will be like, bad patch. (laughs) What else do we got? What else do we got? That is oh, I got one. This one's close to home for you. Well, I would say you were somewhat not involved in this, but you somewhat got closer to this one. And this is the old courthouse pen test. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Uh, in, yeah, uh, in yeah. Adele. A- Adele, not Adele, Iowa. Adele. Yes. Adele, Iowa. Yeah. So um, I guess the two gentlemen um, who performed the test, they are filing a lawsuit against the uh, county sheriff. Mm. Yep. So huh. interesting, right? Um, I thought they were a little bit outside of the scope of their ROE, were they not? Well, that's, there's tons <laughs> of questions there. And I'm glad you asked. I think there was a Darknet Diaries, if I'm not mistaken, on this whole there thing, was. right? There was. There was. Yeah. 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 And I actually had a good um, long conversation with Sheriff Leonard. So his take on this was interesting, right? Um, whenever we went and we interviewed him and we went down there and we opened ourselves up to the community, we were like, hey, a hack happened here. Come come talk to hackers. Um, we had a couple of people that showed up and they were all like, you're all bad and you should all go to jail. And then after about two, three hours, we're all sitting around having lemonade and cookies together. Uh, and they started asking yeah, us yeah. questions. It was a great, it was a great conference. Um, it was awareness con. And Sheriff Leonard showed up which I thought was pretty amazing. And his take on it was, look, we were never notified of this whatsoever. And number one, whenever you get notification that there's people in a courthouse and there's like they're breaking in and then they're setting off the alarms and all that, you have police officers that drive really, really fast to get to that scene. And that creates a risk. And that's stupid. And it's an unnecessary risk to have these police officers drive somewhere in the middle of the night. That's number one. Number two, Police officers go into this armed with their weapons out, and that's putting the pen testers at risk uh, as well. And he goes, also, we showed up and these guys were acting a bit shady, whatever the hell that means. Right. But they were acting shady. (laughs) And uh, now from their perspective, they basically showed up and like we're here, we're pen testers, we're hired to do this. But as pen testers are want to do, Sheriff Leonard brought up to me, they were wearing tactical gear. A lot of pen testers and people in the industry, they got like, you know, the tactical backpacks and all that stuff. And he's like, they really looked like they were armed and we were very concerned. Now, with all of that, he then said they should be the all charges should be dropped completely. He doesn't didn't think that the charges should stick. And he was actually asking for the charges to be dropped and things like that. 
but I, I think that there's some points that he has that are pretty solid points. I don't think that you can just stand up in the industry and be like, yeah, Sheriff Leonard is bad. His points are incredibly valid that if we're doing physical pen tests um, and it involves B&E, uh, we might want to notify law enforcement. And that was kind of the point of Awareness Con was to kind of get people out in the industry so that people like law enforcement around the country would have a better understanding of who we are as an industry and what we do. So yeah, the lawsuits going forward, that's fine. That's absolutely their prerogative. Um, I think that, that the lawsuit has some very, very, very solid points. But I also think that Sheriff Leonard has some very valid points as well. Go better, I guess. What And personally, Go if, better. I, if, if, if <laughs> I was going to do a late night thing, I'd rather do it in a tabletop at like noon, you know, over, yeah. you know, to talk about what would you do if someone broke into the courthouse at late night what would you you know would you would you drive there really fast with your guns out because if so i'd rather not let's not put that in the sow right like um, <laughs> yeah, let's my, sure that's called out yeah my yeah. you know my obviously i don't know the people involved but you know just my two cents i i personally i probably would have passed on the engagement i would have been like you know after <laughs> hearing it's a courthouse all the other fun stuff it there's a lot of risk there um you know and how you're going to control it so that's just me well, you know, other people I, make their own decisions. But I also have a question for you. Like if you were the police officers on site and you're Sheriff Leonard, right? And you show up and these guys are like, look, we were hired. This is what we did. This is what we do for a living. Here's all this stuff. And then they gave you their get out of jail free card. And you called one of the people that was supposed to vouch for the pen testers. And they said, no, no, no. It seems to me like they might be exceeding their scope a little bit. And they didn't have permission to do what they did. I, I might That's, arrest them too um, at that particular point. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Um, so we're ta we're talking about two things, right? We're talking about yeah. like the actions that were committed, and then like the agreements that were made beforehand, right? Like you mm -hmm. know, and and the lack of knowledge in between those two, and people not knowing, and it's even worse when they say, "Hey, yeah, call this person." and they don't have a full understanding of the agreement, right? And yeah. also that they should be like ready for that call, right? That should like you you should be in contact with that with POC that saying, "Hey, yes. Yes, today we're going to be doing this stuff, right? I mean, hopefully you don't get a phone call, but if you do, just let you know it could be in the late hours, okay? Like just it, it shouldn't be a surprise and like, well, let's talk about what this agreement was that you said you were doing, you know, I mean, besides, yeah. So anyways. Yep. We and have them to thank for improved sows all across the board. Thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you shall be a cautionary tale for everyone. Now, the, there are some things like the defamation side of it that I think is interesting because Sheriff Leonard's story did kind of change in interviews. By the time, I think by the time that we got to the point where we were interviewing and talking to him, I think he kind of saw like what kind of like poop storm was created. And some of the earlier comments that he said kind of backed off. One of the things I thought was interesting is in some of the earlier things, he's like, well, one of these guys smelt like alcohol, which that's a hell of an allegation in our industry. Like if somebody's doing a physical pen test and I'm the boss and I hear from a customer or the arresting officer that happens to work for the customer um, that one of my people smelt like alcohol, that's going to be a concern for me. And that might fall under the defamation 
side of it as well. Also, I think it's bigger. Like it's not just Sheriff Leonard, but also going to the entire state of Iowa. You know, maybe they're just picking on Sheriff Leonard because he's a single person that they can actually do this against. But I don't know if this makes things better in the industry. Like, I don't know if this is improving the relationship between law enforcement and penetration testers. I'm sure that they have their reasons for bringing charges. I'm absolutely certain that they have reasons and I'm certain that they're valid. But at the end of the day, I don't know if this de-escalates the problem and actually facilitates education, awareness, and all of us working together. Or is this just going to have a whole bunch of law enforcement officers that are like, I see any of these people pen testing, I'm throwing their asses in jail. Uh, That's my concern, is that this is just going to continue to escalate. Good luck to the jury, I guess. <laughs> All right, if it yeah. doesn't get settled, I guess it'll get settled. But yeah, finding a jury. All right, so what is a computer? Do you know how to answer that? <laughs> <laughs> do you know? Do you guys uh, want to? I would love. I just for once, I want to be on a uh, in a trial that has like something like this, so I can give everybody in the jury a lock picking set and give them like those uh, <laughs> South Third crystalline locks and teach them how to pick locks and things like that. Cause I could just see the jury just eating that up. It's like picking locks is easy. It's like, that's right, jury it is. Okay. So right. I wish everybody the best in this. Cause the thing that sucks is I met Sheriff Leonard. He was incredibly nice. The people, the two testers at Cold Fire are very solid testers. It's just, it's just a whole big mm-hmm. can of suck. So, yep. All right. For sure. Well, should we talk about ransomware? I know, Steve, you wanted to talk about this, right? Let's so, do it, Steve. Um, what the hell? It's the ransomware hour. What so, is it ransomware? Yeah, no, so this isn't quite crazy. the ransomware hour. I did. I do have one big one that did happen, but that's what we're talking about. So um, this is the uh, the ransomware technical guide. Uh, did you want to talk about this one, Steve? Uh, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, my oh, God. Cool. Dude, it's more like how to pen test. I mean, it's str- it's like a strikeout in T-ball. Jeez. I'll tee it up for you, Ralph. So someone leaked a disgruntled employee uh, of a uh, <laughs> ransomware group. Oh, which, the Conti. I mean, yeah. This opens up the whole discussion about, like, what, you know, should these ransomware uh, groups be really treating their employees better, right? We need to talk about the ethical <laughs> standards. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. But um, basically, uh, they leaked some of their technical manuals, which are really just like all the articles I would give to like a junior pen tester, right? How to use Cobalt, yeah. how to, uh, you know, use install Metasploit. That's, uh, you know, that's a hard first thing. to. You know, I, I just thought it was funny. You know, some of the guides, like I was like, is this ransomware specific? Like they don't talk about crypto libraries. They don't talk about, you know, anything that you would associate with ransomware. It's more just like basic you know, what at least I would consider more just like basic TTPs for a pen yeah, tester. But. Right. And you know, like people out there are calling this like advanced Conti's advanced, you know, attacks oh, and things like no, that. No, and, no, 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 no. And no, it no. started like this OST debate again on Twitter to where, you know, well, you should be detecting that if you're getting pwned by this, it's not that you deserve it. It's that you should be starting with the basics, right? And there should be some basic stuff implemented. Shell, who am I? Or how are they getting on the box in the first place with the, the types of loaders and the stuff that they're using are so outdated and antiquated. You know, it's like, like you said, it's uh, kind of like what you would give your junior pen tester going on their test. I, I, is this really a fault of the tools that they're using? Or is this um, something that we should already be mature enough in the industry to, to stop this? This, this, is, this is a fight that pisses me off to no end. 
and I actually do have a fairly firm opinion on it. It's like the OST, the open source tool debate. Everyone's like, well, all these tools you use are all released publicly, and that's bad. I like my malware having GitHub pages. And seriously, in the, in the anti-malware part of the universe, we really need to get really good. If there's a tool that's being used, you literally have the damn source code to help write signatures <laughs> to stop it. I, I don't know. I, 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 I just think that a lot of this OST debate that actually arises from this is like, look, they're using Metasploit. Look, they're using Cobalt Strike. Look, they're using things like Silent Trinity. I, it, just, it just blows my mind. And I think what it is, is you have an attacker, don't know who they are. They're nebulous. They got these hoodies. God only knows who they are, where they are. We think they're in Russia. Maybe. I don't know. And then all of a sudden you have the, this, this poor pen tester, this poor security admin that released a tool that the attackers use. Now all of a sudden there's something you can focus your anger and rage at, that person. Right. And that, it's just incredibly unfortunate because I've always said this in the industry. You know, Years ago when I got started, and I'm old and I'm becoming more and more graybeard, we were very, very much underground for literally everything we did. All the malware we created, any type of testing tools, a lot of that stuff was very, very close to the vest. We didn't share it except with our closest friends. And the techniques that we used were black magic. And you don't want the community, the offensive community to go back to that point where we aren't releasing tools, we aren't releasing techniques, we aren't releasing all of these different things that we're working on, we aren't sharing. You don't want us to go back to that. And that's not a threat. That's just basically, I think the industry is better. The more we're sharing information and talking to each other, the better off we all are. And I, I just, those days sucked. They were horrible. And I think it's so much better now. Let's, let's, let's fix the problems. It's not, it's not a tool. And there's a lot of systematic issues that we have to deal with here. It it is it is a little funny looking at this list though of the things that were like included in the manual because it's pretty much like the so you start at at a you know ransomware but what's what I guess is not that funny about it is that they're doing this because it works it doesn't require a higher level right like these are just what it, like they're using any desk which is just some you know remote access tool that regular companies use to get back into these systems no, that's you know nation state level <laughs> persistence dude don't you don't exactly. even know yeah, it's, yeah, it's right. nation yeah. nation state dude it is it is legit they're using our clone to just send data to mega.com you know dot co or whatever that's how they're exfilling data just you know it but, 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 it, but the truth is that, it works but I think that you're getting to the point, right? You know, it's, it's not about the tools. It's like somehow people think it's a goddamn mm -hmm. Easter egg hunt that once we've written signatures for all the bad tools that immediately we're going to be secure, it goes back and take a step back and look at the techniques that are being used, not the specific tooling because the tooling can change. A lot of the techniques stay consistent for years. And I don't think that, the, especially on the defensive side of security, we're all that great at understanding how to actually write signatures for things like data exfiltration, for lateral movement, for a lot of the techniques that we use and reuse again and again and again. And good luck banning any desk. I mean, it's like, that's not, like, you, you can't ban that persistence technique. So, like, even whether I post it to GitHub or whether I post it, whether it's just publicly available software, like, if it's used maliciously, it's used maliciously. You can't just... It just seemed, yeah, it's a little bit backwards. Fix the problems. Don't fix the tools or the, you know, techniques. Yeah. We lost Ashley. She left. Of course, then again, if you're listening to this, take a look at the people that are on this. We break into places for a living. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to caveat this with an asterisk that says, hosts of BHIS talking about news, 
are biased. Not might be. <laughs> not, not maybe. Very <laughs> biased. Because uh, every one of us have released tools or techniques that have been used by bad people. But we use it every day to help good people protect you. The, the other thing we were debating is real Cobalt Strike license or cracked trial license. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are, they, are they going through the proper, like, purchasing channels? Or are they, like, going underground, right? Well, you know, if you go to the Cobalt Strike website, if you're like, what are you using this for? It's ransomware. It's like at the bottom, right above <laughs> other. You know, so it's like end testing, security assessments. <laughs> so you're telling me that they, they found somewhere. out how to get licenses by just using the other tech. Got it. Man, dude. <laughs> that is, dude, Mega is like, we're great. selling so many pro accounts, man. We're making a lot of money. <laughs> and I, I just see Cobalt Strike, you know, sitting around, you know, for, I don't, can't remember the name of the company that bought it. Help Systems. Yeah, yeah Help Systems. They're not like. These are these have got to be cracked licenses, right? It's not like oh, they're yeah. making it. And I saw one article. It wasn't an article. It was a comment in an article, which I should never read the damn comments ever. Never Someone's like, "Cobalt comments. Strikes just raking in the money for this." I'm like, I don't think so. No, not so much. They uh, there was actually a, a released version on GitHub a few weeks ago, and that kind of caused quite a stir because it was up there for quite a while where right. people could download Do the cracked version. Do you remember when Mudge at, at I think it was at DerbyCon literally went through how to bypass his DRM? He's like, so here's how it completely shuts down the licensing for my tool. Any questions? It was just like. <laughs> and the last uh, ransomware to uh, cap it off, uh, Gigabyte did get uh, ransomware. Oh this my week. god! Gigabyte yeah, got bit. Yeah. They got they bit. got bit. They got mega bited. Their uh, ransom wow. was I want one thousand thirty eighty TIs. I also yes. saw gigs. They need to pump up those numbers. Those are rookie numbers, right? Yeah, dude. Only those, what? Dude, Only one hundred twelve gigs. That's worthless, dude. Yeah. I bet yeah, it's email. But... I bet it's just exchange or something like. I don't. I doubt they actually got anywhere. I mean, I don't know. I know for a fact John has more space in that in his email inbox right now. So that there's <laughs> not, not. You, you'd be surprised. Uh, you'd be very surprised. Uh, yeah, so they uh, they got ransomware, and I, I guess the ransomware gang, uh, whichever one it is this week or whatever new name they call themselves, they're uh, holding some of this data ransom, and not only that, but they're also uh, threatening to release some new sensitive data on AMD and other partners so, that uh, Gigabyte has. Let's think about how bad this could be. Like, okay, they got ransomware. Okay, fine. What about code signing certificates? Like, this oh, this God. is this is the best possible scenario for Gigabyte right. getting hacked, right? Like, they get hacked and immediately the attackers are like, we got you, pay us. The worst possible scenario is they get hacked and, like, the attackers start pulling cold code signing certificates out of that environment. And I'm I, like watching what this about modifying BIOS. Yeah. You could. Okay. Firmware. Yeah. I, I, would like to think, I would like to think that if they did that, they'd be like, well, after solar winds, probably not going to go that route because they're probably going to immediately start checking BIOS code and making sure that there's no backdoors in it, which I'm hoping that they would do anyway. But yeah, the, mm. co the code signing cert for me is the gift that just keeps on giving. Um, if you go back to Duke, the malware that was out a number of years ago, that's, that's its goal in life. You go back to Stuxnet, Railtyke, and JMicron, were two vendors that code signing certificates were stolen from and were used to actually sign the malware as it was put into the Siemens PLC controlling systems. Uh, and and you, you damn well know that Gigabyte has code signing certificates that are literally accepted by freaking everybody and their uncle. Like, no questions asked, just run. 
Yeah, I mean, it also, you got to wonder, are they going to discover the nation state actors that were already in there during the ransomware? Oh, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, ransomware actors got in, you know yeah. there's nation states hanging out oh, in there, Oh, yeah, right? dude. That's like... <laughs> that's like, like literally NSA backdoor request form is like they got that yeah. email. It's like, oh god, damn it! Oh man, so. how many countries we're gonna have to boot out? All these seriously when, when when you hear about a company get ransomware, that's pretty much like saying like you know the farm league baseball team they they beat you right. They this isn't you, yeah. yeah, this isn't the MLB that came in right. This is like the farm league. They're using you know pretty much some <laughs> the basics right. Yeah, there's no bad they, Their training manual tells tells people how to use YouTube videos <laughs> to learn how to use Metasploit, right? We that just literally got done talking about this. Yeah. It's like hacking 101 with next gen mm-hmm. hacker 101, and oh man. So, and that yeah. that might be another yeah. thing. The ransomware people will be like, while we were in, we realized that the Russians, the Israelis, the United <laughs> States, the Chinese. <laughs> The, the, you know, it was, no, it was actually no, almost Norwegian, the UN in Swedish, here, but <laughs> Liechtenstein, Liechtenstein was in here. Come on now, they don't even have Cobalt just... Strike. They're using <laughs> the license for Cobalt Strike. Just I feel like we were last at the party here. Is like, do they know about me? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's a nation state because he asked if he could be. They're like, yeah, sure, dude, you're you're the hacker. <laughs> some people in america is that, is that next to canada i don't know where's Liechtenstein? i don't know um, so, oh god all right well, we need to wrap anyway, it up we're going yeah a little let's bit wrap over. it up let's wrap all it up right. hey thank you so much everybody ryan take us out